After 25 years in the jungle, Alan Parrish has come home. But he didn't come home alone. It's a stampede! Don't look back! It's Robin Williams in the greatest movie adventure you'll ever take. Jumanji, rated PG, at theaters now. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your co-host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my other co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hi, Tyler. Hey. Hey. So you just heard a little TV spot from Jumanji from 1995, which we will be talking about today. It is one of the one of the first movies, other than Aladdin, that um, we have talked about and rewatched, um, the starring Robin Williams, so... I'm nervous to talk about it, but we will do it today. Why are you nervous? I don't know, because it's like, it's awkward, and I'm sad. Oh, because he's dead. I'm sad, and dead from suicide, which is sad. Is that what he died from? Shut up. Are you serious? (laughs) I don't know. It's been a few years now. Who could keep track? Who can after this year? Okay, but before we talk about Jumanji, we will do our usual What You Been Watching. And Tyler, what is special about the month of April in the Old Millennials Remember Movies podcast land? Well, it's a long-standing tradition that April... Long-standing tradition. In that we did it... We did this last year. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We did not do it the year before, but... I mean, did we, though? What? We'd have to go back and look. We did Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Okay. It's a little thing called Animal April. And then I'll insert some, like, monkey noises there. Ooh, 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 ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally gonna do that. Last year, maybe by accident, we watched uh, two movies in a row that were animal-related, and so then we decided to watch a third movie that was animal-related, and then we called it Animal April. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. So we watched uh, Roar... From 1981, a which movie again, that we were not familiar with. Which again, and I'll we say this on, to watch it. as many times as I can, if you have not seen Roar and you thought Tiger King was fun, go watch Roar on YouTube. <laughs> oh, it's better than Tiger King. By a million, yeah. hundred thousand percent. And you will never look at a lion, in a, in a real lion in a, in a movie, the same. I did check. It's still on YouTube. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> a good quality, too. That's fantastic. Yeah, for free. I want it. Don't take it down, whoever hears this and decides to be a jerk. Yeah. It's great. So Leave last year we talked about... Roar, and then we watched uh, Homeward Bound. I don't know if actually... Maybe, maybe we did those in a different order. Homeward Bound. Mm-hmm. And then we also did the live-action 101 Dalmatians, which we could have held for this year because there's another Cruella DeVille movie coming out, but... We did it then, so. We should have, and it should have been our 101st episode, but we fucked up. No, you know what? I, you know how I am about, uh, I don't like to do the on the nose thing. I do. I love on the nose. I live on the nose. It's my favorite thing to do. We did a 49th episode spectacular, if you recall. We did do a 100 episode, but we just, we did a, we just did a movie. We did three movies for that episode, but we didn't like do a special thing. Necessarily, yes. It's the we rebel did a special. In you. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. the rebel in you wants to like be special, but not like how the same way well, that everyone else is. It's not like it's that big a deal. Who cares? It's just, you know, I care. Hundred episodes of a show that no one listens to. Don't <laughs> insult the people who are listening. <laughs> Tyler's all. If you're listening to this, you're stupid. Yeah, basically. No, not true. You're awesome. Okay, so Tyler, yeah. now that you've insulted our listeners, uh, what you been Sorry. watching? 
Well, uh, I was uh, hearing uh, good things about a movie that I set you down and watched too with me. We watched it together, and it was called In and of Itself. And this was uh, it's his name is Derek Del Guadio. It's on Hulu, and I had just heard it came out in January, I guess. But I didn't really when I think I think I noticed it on the Hulu platform, mm-hmm. but then I just assumed it was a stand up thing because it yeah. was like Derek Del Guadio than the name of it. So I thought like, well, it's you know we watch stand up, but not like regularly it's always something we just like stash away we'll watch him whenever we feel like it yep it's not he's a a magician slash storyteller it's kind of a one-man show mixed with um magic and but not men- as much mentalist as thinking mentalist type things um it was a very popular kind of off-broadway and it was on like a small theater on broadway for a while this was filmed before the uh, the COVID the yeah. end times, and did um, you say the end times? Yeah, the COVID. You know, it's, you Jesus know, it's the end Tyler. times. Um, the cool thing about this is the movie starts out and it says that this show, this one man show, has been performed five hundred and fifty two times, like in a row, or that's something like so that. So much. Yeah, he does it a lot, and then you you understand why that's impressive later. Yeah, I <laughs> um, at the end of it, I was like. How did he do this 552 it, times? Yeah, and I don't, I wouldn't, I would encourage people to just watch it, especially if you're just, even if you're not like necessarily into mentalists or anything like that, I think you'd be pretty compelled by kind of the setup of his story, of his, he, it's very personally kind of weaves some personal stories into yeah. it. It's not. When, yeah, when you ahead. told me like it was like had magic and stuff in it, I was expecting it to be a little bit of a magic show. And I would say actually the ma- the the little bit of sleight of hand and the little bit of mentalist stuff is very 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 minimal compared to just the the storytelling well, that occurs. Yes, but I mean the. It's more of a one man show telling a bunch it of is. stories. It is. It is. Um, but what what he does do is pretty pretty spectacular i would say it is but not like in a like impressive not in a, like say. a shazam no, no. it's not a, i wouldn't call it a, i mean it's tough because he he, he is a it's not really a magic show because it doesn't have that vibe it's definitely yeah, not like a funny I mean. jokey kind of because most magi- i don't know especially these days magicians are mostly about like cheesy you know cheese you know you're trying to distract the audience in a certain way whereas he really um hones in on the way that he kind of i guess fools the audience and i wouldn't even say fool is the right word he he compels them i mean he kind of makes you lean into your seat for an t- entirely different reason he's telling a very vivid very personal story and then he kind of starts to weave in some elements of illusion that are fascinating but you're watching him and you're you're but you're and you're captivated but he's still doing something that's mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive i found it to be very um uh i know that he what he's doing is essentially tricks right Mm -hmm. i still found his presentation to be very uh life affirming and and very positive in a a very fascinating way that magic is not always uh yeah it's not a magic show no i i I, it's not about wowing an audience with something that seems unreal it's about wowing an audience with a universal truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i kind of think that that's uh the way you should go about uh, watching it's very good it's only like 90 minutes and i I mean, you, it, it, ten minutes in, you're hooked, and it's just like, totally. you could, and you could go for another hour, honestly, with this with this guy. Yeah, it's pretty captivating. So. I would agree. So that was in and of itself, and you can find it on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah, um, I watched. I've been meaning to watch it. I almost rented it. I'm glad I didn't because it showed up on Hulu. Yeah, it's another round. This is um, Mads Mikkelsen, who 
He's kind of known in America for playing villains, and he was like the TV's Hannibal, a show that we really liked, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's usually, you know, we're kind of used to seeing him uh, playing like a creepy guy or something like that. Yeah, but he's got that look and vibe he's, about He's him. got a very, you know, different and varied career overseas, and uh, this is a, 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 is it Norwegian? Is that? It's something like that. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry if I have that wrong, but, because um, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And uh, I think that's, I think he's, isn't he Norwegian? Great tell question. Tell me right now before. It's a Danish film. Danish, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Mads and the team. But anyway, um, this has been kind of considered the foreign language frontrunner for the Oscars, or excuse me, the international feature uh, frontrunner for the Oscars. It's nominated there. But then the director, Thomas Winterberg, uh, got in for Best Director. So um, Mads Mikkelsen did not, but he's really good in it, and he's kind of like the reason to see it, in my opinion. Um, but it's about four guys, four t- kind of teachers who decide, they read a study about like how this guy posits that, uh, a little, people are, uh, under, under, uh, not under the influence enough, mm-hmm. I guess. They need a little bit more alcohol in their blood to function at peak levels. Mm-hmm. So these guys, uh, you know, they're all in a little bit of like a midlife rut. They kind of decide to like run an experiment to see how they do with their jobs if they start mm-hmm. run, drinking a little bit or just having consistent, like a certain blood alcohol level or whatever. And they initially discovered that, like, it's working out really well for them. They kind of come alive in a lot of ways. And then, of course, you know, as with uh, alcohol and uh, excess alcohol, you know, complications arise. Um, It's a unique movie. Um, I would recommend not watching, like, a trailer, because I think you saw the trailer, and I feel like you probably saw the whole movie just in the trailer a little bit in terms of kind of, like, the beats of it. But Mads Mikkelsen's excellent. The other three guys are are really good, too, and it it has this... um, you know, it's funny in spots, but I think it's also just like a very nuanced uh, character tale of these teachers, which is not always necessarily like a, a, um, a profession that gets uh, kind of a serious look at. I mm-hmm. feel like either it's either, well, it's either like really extreme, like a dangerous minds type thing, or it's like more of a comedy. I kind of felt like this was just like these guys are just like, these guys work at a school they're and they're helping people. Who and also happen to be teachers. But it's an interesting job because you, you kind of see... Uh, Mads, you know, become a little bit more enlivened in his because te- his even his students are complaining, and like school is very intense in terms of like t- like testing they have to like these seniors mm-hmm. have to take a test before they are able to kind of move on, and they kind of are <laughs> they're telling him like you're not you're not helping us, you're not being a good teacher, and then you know the way that he kind of comes alive is uh is kind of fun, but yeah, it's it's good, it's a it's a really good movie. I would say that Mads is the reason to watch it. Um, they it's probably a, should I wish win. you would have let me watch it with you. Oh, well, you were busy last week. I don't know. I, I'm I'm getting... And it was all in Danish. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested in these kind of foreign language films in Danish because I just watched um, a couple months ago a Danish show, one of the first ones that came on Netflix or Hulu called... I got... I, Oh, Equin- Equinox, mm-hmm. and I'm just reading here that Equinox was actually based on Danish podcast, but then it's all oh. it's all in Danish. It's all set there. It's, it's super interesting, and it was set in the school setting. And I don't know. I thought Nor- cool. I thought Norwegian because I was that was that I was thinking of us the South by Southwest. Stuff Norway I was and but Denmark are neighbors. So I know. I was. That's why okay. I got it. I broke it up in my brain. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it's the only one of the foreign language, uh, or excuse me, the international features I've seen of the Oscar bunch. There's another one on Hulu called Collective, which is also in the documentary category. I heard it's very good, but it's also like kind of like a bummer, so I haven't watched it yet, but I probably will. Um, yeah, I'm just, I do try to at least catch up on like the ones that are nominated for that, but I have not so far. I mean, even this one has been out for a while, and I 
was going to rent it and was going to rent it. And then I was seriously going to rent it last weekend. And then like, oh, Hulu, thank you. Free. Thank you. Or, you know, for our subscription. So it's good. I would recommend it. That was another round on Hulu. I then watched um, The Last Blockbuster. This is a documentary that is ironically now on Netflix streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is about... uh, kind of the downfall of, you know, the rise and downfall of the blockbuster video rental franchise, and specifically how it's ended up with this one blockbuster that remains in Bend, Oregon. And, um, you know, as someone who loves physical media, this is right up my alley, someone who wasn't necessarily a regular blockbuster uh, user. I was... When you, we and I were together when we, that was available to us, but yeah. we had, like, a local video shop that we would go to in town that we preferred, and... Um, so there's that aspect that I find, you know, nice. I still like the concept of a video store and, uh, and you know, having a physical copy. I, I st- eBay has basically turned into this for me. I just buy physical copies of things on eBay or on a cheap Amazon sale. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of talking heads of, like, comedians and people who are, you know, lively and fun talking about it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it, it's, like, a really – it would be a really good, like, short documentary short, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Stretched to an hour and a half. I, I found it to be very repetitive. It wasn't really – going into anything that was that That's fascinating like, hey guys guess what blockbuster busted and now there's this one left and then a bunch of people like That's saying it. like we love this and we you know but it's like the same message over and over again yeah. so i to me i i mean even to the point where i got to 45 minutes i paused it to get up to do something and i was like oh my god i, I honestly when i paused like oh it must be almost over i was like no it's halfway like there's more like, left oh I, shit so much that's, more that's a weird feeling for a movie that's an hour and 25 minutes yeah. like it's barely it's barely a feature film <laughs> and yet it feels like it should have just been a short so yeah uh you know it was fine but i didn't think it was a particularly well-made uh documentary um <laughs> i watched richard jewell which was Clint Eastwood's movie from twenty late twenty nineteen. Kathy Bates got an Oscar nomination for it. Um, John Walter Hauser, I think that's his name, is the lead. He plays Richard Jewell, who is the Atlanta security guard who discovered the bomb um, and helped help legitimately help people get away from it. It was still very you know killed two people. Uh, a lot of people got injured, um, but then he became a prime suspect in the media because of this idea of like this lone wolf concept and you know he was looking for attention and the media ran with this they found out that the fbi was investigating him and the media just ran with it and he became kind of this um this figure this kind of tragic figure um john walter hauser who's in like uh you'd remember him from like being the dopey big guy in like i tanya and in black klansman um I think his name is John Walt Walter Hauser's last name, and then okay. yeah, so you would recognize him if you saw him. He's he's very good Paul in those movies. Walter Paul, Hauser? sorry, geez, I'm having a couple things I'm messing up today. Paul That's Walter okay. Hauser, he yeah, so he's really good. I like him as an actor, and um, it also has just like a great um, supporting cast. John Hamm is like this FBI agent. You got Sam Rockwell who who plays his attorney essentially, and he um, is really strong in it. And then Kathy Bates was plays his mom. In the movie, she got the Oscar nomination. I mean, it's a fine performance, but okay. Um, it's okay. I think Clint Eastwood is, um, even in his old age, he's like mm-hmm. 88, I don't God, know, is still he? very good at kind of making a coherent, straightforward movie. And I'll tell you what, though, and here's the problem I have with it. It is the problem that got a lot of controversy. 
He's 90. Oh, he's 90. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, sorry. In the movie, Olivia Wilde uh, plays a reporter for the Atlanta newspaper. And um, she plays a real person who was a person who had a byline on the story that ran with this thing of, like, FBI looking at Richard Jewell. Okay? She, she plays her as a uh, salacious, like, garbagey, like, very stereotypical, like, um, dirt-digging reporter. Okay? Mm-hmm. She was a real person. She actually died of an overdose um, a few years, like 2000-something. Richard Jewell also passed away, by the way, at, at age 44, um, just Jeez. a few years after all of this happened. Um, 2007, maybe. From what? Diabetes, heart failure. He was a big guy. Um, and um, in the movie, and this was a... I remember reading about this. It kind of turned me off to the movie when it came out, because as someone who's worked in uh, journalism, I just I get a little bit touchy with uh, kind of blatantly... Uh, wrong depictions of this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, You're very sensitive having your experience. And I, I don't know if, you know, we all, we all know that Clint Eastwood has a certain idea of his politics, but honestly, it doesn't really bleed through in his movies very much, and, and I appreciate that about him, but um, in this regard, he definitely is rolling with this disdain for media, and he, he puts it in this performance. She actually, like, the way that she gets the scoop, and this is entirely a fabrication because the John Hamm FBI character is an amalg- is, is like a, not a real person. It's just like a composite character. Mm-hmm. She basically, like, sleep, sleep offers sex to him to get the scoop on who they're investigating. Ew. Which is not at all even remotely what happened. I mean, the, the Atlanta newspaper, when this movie came out, like, wrote a big thing condemning it. And listen, That's I'm not, not saying... Cool. Okay, so this, this is fucked up, because this is a movie about a character who experiences, like... Who gets legitimately fucked up by the media. Yeah. Where the media, where the, media <laughs> the salaciousness of the media actually is... Like, and I get it. That's a fair criticism of what happened to him. Like, that is absolutely what happened. Sensational journalism is what led to him especially. But it was also, and I think the movie actually is pretty good at showing the FBI was also very wrong okay. in what they were doing. But, but why the add the character? In and of itself, does the same fucking it does it. thing. You don't need this character to do that. Oh, and that's and not cool. and and so the John Hamm character is a, a made up character, whereas it's the real name on the reporter. Who, not cool. No, so I really thought That's that that was just bullshit. shitty, yeah. and it's a it's a it's a blood it's a it's a dark spot on the movie all the way through. I just it it bothered me, and it like I understand why it was a controversy because it's yeah. shitty and it's, it's not something that you needed in the movie. It's lazy. It's it's very lazy, lazy. and it, it's a very lazy. It is very much like a such a trope. Well, it's the Atlanta... I mean, it's not even, like, a tabloid paper, so I think that's weird. I mean, because, yeah, you know, like, tabloid and paparazzi type... I mean, I think that that is a very common use of scumbaggery journalism. And don't get me wrong, I feel like there's a lot of that in existence, and I think it's a fair thing to criticize, and that's fine. Like, I'm actually was interested... Well, you can criticize it if you have facts to criticize. You can't just, like... Well, and I was interested in the story, and I actually... I commend Clint Eastwood for making this movie and talking about this, because I think it's kind of, like... Even I remember it of this guy. I was like, oh, isn't that that guy that was, like, not really a hero? Like, no, this guy really did, like, save a bunch of people. And it's, like, shitty that he got, like, his whole image got stained because of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but why why make, take a lazy shortcut to, to, to undermine your whole message? That's yeah. fucked up. I just, I, I struggled with that. But yeah. it's on HBO Max. Like, it's otherwise kind of solid, though. Like, good acting. Sam Rockwell and Paul Walter House are really good in it. So, that's, I don't know. That's sad that- about it's a Richard bummer Joel's about life. uh yeah it is That's um sad last thing i watched and i had to watch it um i kind of watched it in chunks <laughs> i watched the hobbit an unexpected journey it's the first 
of those three Hobbit movies that came out like 10 years after Lord of the Rings. And I remember you and I, because you and I were, maybe one day we'll do Lord of the Rings on the show, because we was, mm-hmm. we, 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 you and I saw the second and third Lord of the Rings together in December. It was like a big deal. Once our college semester, like the winter semester was over, it was like a reward, right? Because yep. you were, you just loved them especially. Um, and uh, I remember going with you to these Hobbit sequels after we were married. I, you know, we maybe we even had a kid at this point. I don't remember. Uh, looks like, okay, so it looks like the first one was released December of 2002. So when we're in high school. Lord of the Rings. Yes, Lord of the Rings. 2002, 3, 4, right? In the, yeah, then 2003, no, and then it was 2012. No, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm just going off of top results here. Sorry. The no. Hobbit came out in 2012. Okay, so we had we had so we we went to these, and I remember thinking like these were fine. We knew they weren't as good as the other ones, um, man, and they were too long. I mean, he took a basically a, a one book and turned it into three movies that were two and a half hours long, right? Yeah. I mean, all of it was indulgent, right? Um, so this is the first time I've watched any of these since we saw those in the theater, and um, they also he made the and this was controversial at the time he. He shot it all with like a forty-eight frame rate, which is like double mm-hmm. what a normal uh, film gets shot at. So it's very hyper clear, hyper real. It kind of looks like HD television, live sports it makes type it stuff. Look cartoony. So when I was watching it this time, I, I feel like it was distracting in the movie theater. But man, alive! You, you've had a few more years now of the CGI aging, but like the CGI in this movie especially just sticks out. So you've got these big landscapes that look, you know, he shot on location again. And then you see this little cartoon thing slashing against the screen or something like that. Anytime it's brightly lit, it just looks... I mean, it is so... It's more distracting than anything of, like... We're going to talk about, like, Jumanji special effects and how they've dated. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nothing compared to this thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even necessarily bad CGI. It's just the way that it looks doesn't look right. Which, in 2012, should be better. And it's still a movie where it takes, like, 45 minutes for them to get on the fucking road. So... <laughs> That's what the books are. That's what these... This category. It was okay. I don't know. I was like kind of eager to be like, oh, I want to watch all three of these. And then I was, by the end of the first one, I was like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. You're all, fuck you, Bilbo Baggins. I'm not following you. I was like, isn't there a ring? And then sure enough, there is like a little ring in that one. But like, I I almost, okay, so then I also took a break (laughs) between watching it for a little while. Yeah. Because I was doing South by Southwest, or I was watching some other stuff, Snyder Cut. And um, so several days went by between when I picked it up again. And I was just like, why are they on this journey? Where are they going? Oh, God. I couldn't even remember Isn't what they were doing. there something about a dragon or something? There is. And, like, the, the little troll... They're not trolls. Uh, uh, they're, they're not trolls. Okay. They're dwarves. Dwarves. Hobbits. Mm-hmm. Dwarves. The elves help them. Trolls are bad. The dwarves <laughs> uh, are going to their mountain. They're trying to reclaim their, their uh, yes. mountain. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. I forgot that when I was turned it on again. I was like, what are Yikes. they going to do? Are they going to go throw a ring in the thing? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Gollum shows up in that movie, though, at the end, and it's pretty good. But there's no It's reason. like a Greatest Hits kind of vibe, though. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, here's Gollum. Roll like, him out. Remember? And in the second one, I, I haven't even watched it, but I remember, like, oh, you remember Legolas? You love that arrow shooting guy. He's back. He's back. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. What I hear you saying is I don't want to rewatch The Hobbit. I Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I struggled with it. It was okay, but no. That's what I've been watching. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, as usual, that you've been watching. Um, I've been working my little tail off, so I've not had as much time. Sure. Um, but this weekend, I uh, started a show with the kids while you were busy writing and working. Um, and it's so hard, you know, finding shows that I'll enjoy that they'll enjoy. 
But on Disney Plus, they um, had a show called This uh, Secret of Sulphur Springs, mm-hmm. which is about, like, a ghost, potentially. And then, like, these kids, this family moving into this old decrepit hotel, and is it haunted? And, um, you know, so it, it's an interesting little show, especially following the Jumanji. So we watched Jumanji on, like, Saturday. And then the kids and I watched this on Sunday. And it was quite the one-two punch as far as, like watching the kids react to slightly disturbing stories or, you know, spooky stuff. Spooky, I guess would be the word. Spooky. Yeah, yeah, it's a good little show. Um, the kids and I crushed, like, uh, 11 the entire season that is available. To the point where this is actually, do, it has an unusual release schedule. It yeah. started airing on the Disney Channel, and then, like, a few weeks later, they started doing weekly, like, releases on Disney+. Plus. So Disney+, Plus is actually behind the Disney Channel. It's already done airing. Yeah. So the kids and I, were, uh, so I see it's nine episodes on Disney+. Plus. So yeah. I'm like, oh, perfect. Okay, fine. We watched, like, three hours of it. They're only, like, 20-minute episodes. So they go pretty fast. Right. So I'm like, okay, kids, this is the last episode, episode nine. And we get to it, and I'm like, there's a next on. This is not the fucking last episode. God damn it. Where are the other two? So now I'm so invested. Nine episodes in the show. We had to delay dinner because you guys yeah. had to figure this out. I was out. like, Tyler, where can I watch these next two episodes? Disney Now is another app that mm-hmm. if you have an access to the cable access to that, you can hop on there and watch uh, what's airing there. You have to watch with a little bit of commercials, though. Yes. Which our kids... Like, oh, I love our kids love commercials. Our kids were like, I actually because I keep muting the commercials right because I find them mm-hmm. terribly repetitive and obnoxious. They see so few commercials, yeah. that they just love it. Especially if they get to like watch the Nickelodeon app or something like yes. that for something. And Disney now it's all like kid oriented. And there's like this is what's in the Happy Meal or this yeah. is the toy that's available. This and they're is just the like, new toy. oh, look at this new doll. And it's and something that like, we've. Oh god. And I remember getting excited about stuff like that too because that's what we we only ever had got to watch things with commercials in it. Yes. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. So they we, even like, I mean, they even like when I turn on M- baseball uh-huh. and it's like the same every break because I get the MLB package, right? Because mm-hmm. I watch Twins. We don't live in the Twins area. Uh, so um, it's the same two commercials, like especially last year it's during like COVID. It's like Geico and... It was two commercials, State Farm, yeah. you know, yeah. but our our youngest who is like two, three... This is I don't know, I can't remember this. It's the insurance company Liberty where the, Mutual or something. Liberty Mutual where the guy like uh, gets out of the someone gets elevated and he goes no or whatever mm-hmm. I don't even know what it exactly. Mm-hmm. Our son stops what he's doing and he lo- lo- I mean because it was on every half inning he just he wasn't even in the room he just hear it be like mm, he just repeated going yeah. no loved it he yeah. loved it never got old after the whole six, sixty game yeah. season but it's like when Marion was one and she'd be like places yeah for from the, the Toyota commercials. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, we don't even pick because because we're fancy. We don't even we don't even watch commercials on Hulu. Hell no. And you can't like, too good for that. I was listening to something where they were, I think it was the Blank Check podcast. They were just that, that's a good podcast, but they were just like offhand talking about like like watched a lot of YouTube during uh, quarantine, and uh, one of them was like, he's like, I saw the same commercial. He's like, oh, you gotta just, you, I just paid for that YouTube premium. It's like. I don't know if I could do that. I was like, well, no. It's like, if you do it, you can't go back. Like, there's no, no way you can yeah. go back. And it, and that's the, to the point where... I'm almost there, though, Tyler. I'm going to be very honest yeah, with but, you. Yeah, but it's just like... But the, to the point where if they... The next day they announce, like, it, okay, it's going to be $800 a month to keep YouTube <laughs> pre- commercial free. You're going to be like, yep, I'm going to have to do it because yep. I can't go back. You're going to have to get another job because I'm not me. watching those goddamn commercials. You got me. I can't do it, so... I'm there, though. Like, it keeps asking me, like, do you want to try this ad free? And I'm like, I kind of fucking do. Yeah, they're pushing it because they'll 
stop. I mean, they stop even music videos that are four minutes long, and they'll—I mean, not always, but they—they'll stop I mean, shit when you're trying to watch it. Yes, and I know I'm an old millennial, so I, I don't watch a ton of YouTube, but I do watch a few things. I have a few subscriptions that I enjoy regularly, and I am fucking tired of commercials. <laughs> anyway, back to Silver Springs. Okay, watched it, finished it, got it done. It's interesting show. It does end on kind of like a spooky scene. That was disturbing. Because there's also time travel involved. So these kids are, like, time traveling a little bit. And it's kind of spooky. And uh, there's, like, this uh, rocking chair ghost thing. And then they time travel. And now there's the man in the rocking chair. And he, like, looks at them. And then that's the end of the fucking season. It's spooky. I enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next season. It is aimed towards 10-year-olds, though. I will fully admit. You're, you're, you're going down the going down even further. Well, I gotta have you're shows. You're watching your high school show, yes. and now you're watching the. I gotta the find shows, shows that fit like like a the Jen and the, not Jen the holograms, Ghosty and the Ghost Band, or whatever. Julian the Phantoms. The kids and I were talking about how this was not as good as Julian the Phantoms, but it's or a the Babysitters vibe. Club. That also, seems like that should be coming back soon, right? No, oh, that I don't know. Back? That's kids and it's COVID protocols. Who knows? I don't know when they filmed that. That was also a very good show. It's tough. Who knows? They're filming stuff, but you know how how things are right now. Everything's just a extra hassle when yes. it comes to filming stuff. So both with this show and Jumanji, I kept asking myself, like, is this appropriate for my kids? Well, one of them was on Disney Channel. I feel well, like they when the kids are hiding their face under the pillow and running out of the room, you have to be like, I think I might have made a mistake. Here. They're soft. They watch the soft. Jurassic Park show. I know. Kind of, a couple of them get a little scared of that, though. The person who gets the scaredest is the oldest kid. That's true. Yeah, she should be the one that handles it, right? Yeah. Our youngest is just like, <laughs> Although sometimes he was sitting next to you, you heard him, he was like, ooh, scabby. Yeah, he gets scared by random things, I suppose, because he's, you know, yeah. three. He's three years old. Yeah. It's not really a show. I don't even, is he even watching that show? He watched all 11 episodes, sat down and watched it with us. All all of them. It is the only show in a long time where they've sat beginning to end, all of them, with me. That's weird. It is weird, but it's a it's a show that sucks you in and it's so short. So then you're like hooked and you're like, oh, we gotta watch another one. Anyway, right. terrible, terrible. But it does connect to the Jumanji just with like the weirdness. Sure, yeah. So now that we're at the 30 minute mark, let's let's talk about Jumanji. Okay. Jumanji. Jumanji is a movie that came out in 1995. Before we do high stack, what do you remember? That's a segment where we talk about what we remember. Go. No, I'll go. I'll go first. You go first. Okay. What did I remember? I wrote this before we watched it. Kirsten Dunst and her annoying brother decide to start playing a board game they discover in their house. Once they start playing, Robin Williams shows up, then a bunch of wild animals that trample their house and run around everywhere. They have to roll the dice and play the game and see what happens. They have to win the game to get things back to normal. I remember loving this movie as a kid. You really? That, there's nothing annoying about that kid, Peter. Nothing. Yeah, now that I rewatched it, I agree, but I mean... I, I don't know. That's this is what I wrote. I actually got one of the pr- the prologues in the, my description. There's two. Oh, okay. <laughs> a kid gets stuck in the board game Jumanji for like 20 years. Some other kids, including Kirsten Dunst, play again, and boom, Robin Williams, the kid that's all grown up now, a hunter, and some CGI animals start running all over town. Then Bonnie Hunt is around. I remember being super excited about this movie, specifically as a Robin Williams comedy star vehicle. Then wondered why it took so damn long for him to show up in the movie. You would... Be so thinking about that, at this age is my 12. tie-in. Uh, in 1995, I'm uh, I'm a Aladdin's my jam. I know that Robin <laughs> yes. Williams is in that, right? 
Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is my jam. Love that thing when that came out, right? So, like, when I hear about a Robin Williams movie in 1995, I'm ready for Robin Williams. I think even a Hook, which is a movie that I, I, I feel like even as a kid was like, eh. um, yeah. but you know, which we will do Hook eventually. Uh, you know, I just I was a Robin Williams kid, so when he's in a movie. I'm, I'm ready to, to go. It. Be it this, be it Flubber. I'm this there. Doubtfire, let's do this. I mean, this continued for a long, long time. Patch Adams was like, yeah, Patch Adams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, What Dreams May Come. I was like, oh, that oh, one's super shit. sad. Everybody dies. Um, that one's dark, and like, I'm not ready to talk about that movie yet. Yeah, so, you know, that lasted for a, a, quite a while. But so what's weird about Jumanji is like, it takes a little while for Alan Williams to get into the movie. Yes, it does. Um, let's do some high stats. Okay. Jumanji came out December 15th, 1995. Mm-hmm. It is rated PG, clocks in at one hour and 44 minutes. It is written by Jonathan Hensley, Greg Taylor, Ooh, five more credits, <laughs> and uh, directed by Joe Johnston. So, uh, from the book by Chris Van Allsburg, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Who also is the storybook uh, person behind the Polar Express. Uh, Zathora, which was made into a movie directed by John Favreau years later. Um, and Joe Johnston, the director of this movie, is notable for making The Rocketeer, a future episode, mm-hmm. and for making uh, Jurassic Park 3, mm-hmm. a future episode. Definitely a near future episode. <laughs> um, and then also notably, he made the first Captain America movie, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the not the, excuse me, Captain America, the First Avenger. So Thank he was you. a phase one a Captain America movie of the Marvel Universe. So cool. he directed that. Very much, um, I think, like, the Rocketeer and Captain America, like, those two, like, he's got, like, this adventure, like, serial, uh, B-movie serial-type vibe. Jurassic Park 3 is very much that, too. Uh, he That's the kind of vibe this mm-hmm. guy throws down. Okay? So, good director, I would say. Nice. Yeah. You know. It had a budget back in 1995 of $65 million. Yeah. And it grossed in the U.S. $100 million mm-hmm. and worldwide $262 million. And then notably years later, which we'll just discuss briefly at the end, there's new sequels to Jumanji that are totally, you know, they're, they're in continuity, but, you know, well, they're just not really related at all. But totally fabulous. Correct. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So... When did you see this movie for the first time? I don't remember. Probably near when it came out you on think video. On video, it didn't go. Although to the now that I say that out loud, I feel like maybe it was probably like I saw it at the discount theater that summer. The that summer, summer? yeah, because it came out in December. Yeah, so by the time it hits like the discount theater, well, it's maybe probably like April, spring. May. Yeah, probably because it was a hit. Like yep. even it's a lot faster now. Like things if nowadays that would come out at the discount theater in like February, but. Yeah, um, things it was a little bit long. It was longer back then. So, you, yeah, it would maybe the spring or something. You and probably saw I, it. Yes, and I love this movie. It's awesome. Okay, yeah. So, um, I remember liking it, too, as a kid. Um, we had, like, the clamshell VHS tape, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, you did. Um, which is, you know, Disney was, like, the big clamshell people, but, like, the other studios were like, well, the kid movie's supposed to be in clamshells, so they put them in clamshells, too. <laughs> Um, Follow suit. Yeah, so they did that. So the one thing is, though, that, like, I, I I liked the movie as a kid, but I was, like, very frustrated. Like, I was like, where the fuck is Robin Williams? I mean, I don't know if I said fuck, because I was, like, like 10. But, uh, of course you did. I feel like even at 10, you were, like, this nerdy movie guy who's like, I know that Robin Williams is starring in this, and I want to know what fuck, why does it take 26 minutes for him to arrive? Yeah, so, I mean, what I forgot <laughs> when we watched this one, and, um... 
is that it, it doesn't even start... I remember that it started with Rob Williams' character, Alan Paris, as a kid. Yes, in 19... In 69. Yeah. But no, the movie actually starts in 1869 mm-hmm. <laughs> with another pair of kids mm-hmm. who are bearing the game. Like, I completely mm-hmm. forgot all that. And it's just like... It's a little unnecessary, frankly. Because I just... Like, you need to just get this thing going, right? A little yes. bit. A little bit. This takes a little while to kind of get moving. Yes. Um. So, I mean, it's only a brief little scene, but I'm just like, all right, let's... The drumming is fine. It kind of introduced the concept of the game drumming as you, like, that get rid of it. calls you to the game. Right. So then we jump to 69. Alan Parrish is, like, this kid who's getting bullied by the, you know, neighborhood kids. He's riding his bike around. His dad... Runs the town's big shoe factory, Paris Shoes. Where, like, everybody works. Everybody works there. Um, David Allen Greer is working there. So good. He's known as the Soul Man. He's Mm -hmm. come up with a fancy-looking basketball sneaker that, you know, what we know about basketball sneakers. He's an important part of this movie. I would say he is a a stealthy, like, he... Okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. He's honestly, like, really the only comic relief in the movie. Really, Strangely, even though you have Robin, he's Williams. not. He, Robin Williams is playing such a serious character. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I take that back. I think Bonnie Hunt gets the biggest laughs of the movie, but she's playing. I mean, it's not really a comic relief character. It's no. kind of just her her reaction to things. That's what's funny. Um, but no, David Unger is like legitimately just here to be kind of like a, an extra, you know, a person that gets victimized a little bit by yes. this game and, his, and is funny in yeah, his, that reaction. His scenes were some of our kids' favorite scenes. Yeah, and he, he, he knows exactly, you know, he's he's handling kind of more of the B-movie reaction aspects of this, which I think is necessary for this movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, it's a young version of him. Uh, little Alain Paris accidentally destroys the shoe, gets stuck on the conveyor belt, actually gets uh alan greer fired it seems yeah, like uh, his dad's like who did this and, and he alan like, greer takes the blame takes like, the blame he's struggling with these bullies he gets beat up his parents want to send him off to uh boarding school, boarding school. then sarah whittle comes over they're friends she's got a boyfriend one of the bullies they find he finds this game at the construction site near the factory they start playing and he gets sucked in the game basically on the first turn. And she runs the fuck out of She's there. She's terrified by the bats that she yes. conjured in the first uh, turn of the game. So that all takes, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. And then we're introduced to Kirsten Dunst uh, and the little kid Peter. They've... So, I mean, this is just... What it, what blows my mind about this <laughs> is that it's a pretty grim-ass movie. <laughs> yeah, from the Alan Parrish mm-hmm. gets sucked into a game... And is just like, sorry, bud, you're living there for 30 years. 26 specifically. <laughs> 26 years. Mm-hmm. Your parents, uh, we learn, uh, come to being like basically suspected of like murder. They never see him again. They've been disillusioned and, and lost. The whole town goes under. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> he discovers his parents have died. Yeah, that's all terrible. Then you introduce these other kids. Well, their parents got killed in a car crash. So, so they're hanging out they're with an, a- an aunt played by B.B. Newworth, and they're going into the old parish house, and it's just like... There is just, like, sadness and grimness all over this thing before you even get to, like, the fun, yeah. uh, the fun, quote-unquote, fun aspects of it. It's crazy how grim this thing is. It is, is very grim. Yeah. And also, there are a lot of parallels to that show I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. There's an old building house hotel thing that needs to get renovated. Sure. I mean, there always is. There's, but like... Sure time periods where there's like old time and then like there's someone from like 30 years ago right just like in the show so the right. kids were very much related but it is grim i mean it we're watching so many of these kids shows with our kids now that now it's like as soon as the kids hear the parents die they go oh typical here's another yeah. one parents are dead it's like 
don't know if our seven-year-old should be... I kind of appreciate the cavalier aspect of this. Kirsten Dunst's character, like, talks to the realtor Uh and, like, makes up the story about, like, how the parents got killed. Mm -hmm. She's lying about it. She's... And the other kid's not talking except to Kirsten Dunst. Mm -hmm. And he's otherwise silent, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, like... Yeah, like, this movie is wearing all that on its sleeve. Like, we're aware that these characters are, like sad characters, right? Yes. And then when Robin Williams shows up, you know, this is this was advertised as like this I mean, we listened we were trying to pick out a TV spot for this and it's like, oh, it's wacky warm Robin Williams at his best. And I was like, that's not the character he's playing. No. And we know that Robin Williams as, you know, we've learned throughout his career can play uh serious characters, not comedy. He was I mean, just an excellent actor, right? Yep. And as long Full as you range. could kind of contain some of that energy, energy. in some aspects, he could really give you something special, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's very capable of this part, but, like, the way that it's advertised is definitely not the man that comes out of this, uh, he, you know, he's rigid, mm-hmm. he's he, he's kind of, I mean, there's a kind of a tiny little subplot of him being really cold to the new kids, mm-hmm. because his dad was very cold to him, and... I mean, he's a child who's who's grown up in a jungle right. without parents, His he's stunted, his development is clearly stunted. So while there are, like, here and there kind of moments of humor with Robin Williams, it is not like... Uh, his story's sad. No, it's a very sad story, and he, and, and he plays it as such. So yeah. it's just a weird, it's a weird way that they advertised it, yeah. uh, considering... He finds his uh, parents' gravestones. I mean, it's it's not like a ha-ha-ha-ha. No, not at all. Um, but... And, and this is a little bit of, it's, it, this is tough because you've got a story within a story already. You already had yes. a prologue extra thing. So it takes a little while for the actual, like, current game to really yes. get going. For Bonnie Hunt, Robin Williams, you gotta get two kids. Because the, the point is, is the kids start playing the same game that he was already playing with Sarah. Yep. So therefore, once they finally decide, they convince him to play the game because once the, cause, so, I mean, we've danced around this. Everything comes to life that you roll. It says, like, a bats will show up with a little riddle. Yes. They show up. Everything shows up. They, they'll go away if the game gets finished. Right? Yep. Last, well, first person to get to the end and yell yells Jumanji. out Jumanji. Right. So that's all happening. they got to convince Robin Williams to start playing again. And then it's like, well, it's not your turn. It's Sarah Whittle's turn. Okay, we got to go find Sarah Whittle. Let's hope she's not fucking dead. Yeah. Like, so then they go. Where they do. So they go and find her. So it's just, and then they got to convince her of playing this game. So really, this thing doesn't even, like, I mean, we've seen the game being played. But, like, the actual, like, the meat of Them the story together to is, like, well over the, the halfway point, it seems like. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, it's a long time. It's tough. It's a yeah. tough concept to kind of uh, throw into. And just to think that it's, like, marketed as a kid's movie. It's, it's yeah. And what... Who is this movie for? What I would say is that it's not bad, though. Like, yeah. it, like I actually appreciate the character work. My favorite scene in the movie, actually, is kind of when they're starting to play finally all of them again. And I think Bonnie Hunt is actually very funny in she's little great. spots here. I love Bonnie Hunt in general. I love her so much, yeah. Um, so she's, because she's just reacting in a very funny way at first. But it's out of genuine fear. And I, I actually kind of love that these two characters do have this conversation where it's just like, where I was like, yeah, you left me in the fucking game for 26 years. He's all, roll a six or eight. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you just, like... And but and then she's just like, well, I was a little girl. No one believed me what happened. I was terrified. Like, I'm I'm really glad they had this moment. Like, yes. in, like they just verbal... Like, they threw their shit on the table right off the bat. Like, right away in front of these two kids. Now, is that, like, obvi- quote-unquote obvious writing? Maybe, but I kind of appreciate it in this, like, kid movie. They're like, we're not even going to get into the, like, animal mayhem until we, like, solve this conflict. Yeah. And I Which appreciate is an audience that. you're wanting. You're like, 
he's got to be pissed. Like, you're wanting that, so they give it to you. And I think it might be, you know, it it is, it's kind of a self-inflicted wound in terms of a a hole you have to clean up. Yeah. Because it's just like, well, she ran off and he got stuck in the game, so we have to, like, address this, otherwise why would they sit down together? So you have to address it, it, and it's self-inflicted. But like I said, I didn't, I don't hate it because it is, like, pretty well I don't know. I just like their performances. And, and it doesn't hang on it too long either. It's like, we're having this convo and then we're moving on. Well, they know that the movie has to move at that point, right? Yeah. And, you know, all the mayhem starts. So, another thing that I forgot, and I don't I don't think I realized, is that Jonathan Hyde, who plays Rob Williams' dad as a young man, mm-hmm. is in a dual role. <laughs> he plays the hunter who comes out. Rob Williams, once they start playing again, finally again, there's like a hunter will come and he comes out of the game and he's exclusively trying to hunt um, his character. And I mean, okay, he had problems with his dad, right? So it's a little <laughs> like he got daddy issues to work. It's out. a little on the nose. However, I would say that they don't like linger on that too much. Well, they don't try to make any kind of a relationship or anything going no. on with this hunter. And I think that most kids, all of us old millennials, none of us caught on to that fact. No, that it's it was the same actor. It, yeah, he's he, he really. I mean, he's got dark hair and no facial hair at the beginning. He looks like what you expect Jonathan Hyde to look like, yes. right? And then when he comes out of the game, he's got this giant mustache. It's all blonde. He's wearing mm-hmm. a helmet the whole time. You really Doesn't can't even see look him. Like him. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to tell. He's doing a different voice. Like it's so yeah. I don't know if it. <laughs> I mean, maybe they knew that, like, okay, like, this is the fact that we're having him play two characters, like, the same, the dad and the guy who's hunting him is, like, that's so on the nose that we can't, we can't, just can't address it. Like, we just have to leave it alone, and that's a smart choice. Mm-hmm. Or, they're like, Jonathan Hyde really wants to be in, like, he just likes the script, you want to give him two parts? <laughs> like, I don't know, it could be, it could be one of the, it could be that too. Um, but there's another example of just, like, a weird, dark element of this movie, where this guy comes out of the game like the animals that come out of the game are not necessarily like yes like the alligator wants to eat them mm-hmm. because they're alligators yes and this the is a hunter want to fuck around and the lion wants to attack them but the lion's actually fine laying in a room for a little while and yeah. just like sleeping on a bed and the stampeding animals are just stampeding they're just running around and they're stamp and so what i actually a little detail i do like is that because it's labeled as a stampede coming out or whatever, or like this constant force moving, mm-hmm. I like how they don't ever stop. They don't They're stop. They're just running constantly. It's a stampede that keeps going through <laughs> like, town. Because that's what it is. Town. The game says that's what it is, and so that they, look, yeah. they're not going to stop running. That's including fantastic. that slow-ass rhino at the bottom of the thing who can't go as fast as the other ones. Yes. Like him, too. Um, but this hunter... This is a dark little thing. Because here's just a guy who's, like, trying to murder him with a big gun. Because the game told him to. And he has an opportunity to hurt Bonnie Hunt. And he's like, well, you're not the one who rolled the dice. So I'm not going to hurt you. So, and then it has this weird, and this this is all, and maybe this is just the, the culture that's just, like, soured any aspect of this. But, like, he goes to the hunter. We have a little brief aside where the hunter, this is meant to be kind of a funny scene, where the hunter goes to a gun shop and needs a new gun. And he yeah, drops some gold on the chilling. drops some gold on the counter. He's just like, "Oh, we have to do background check." And he's like, "Gold." And he's like, "Oh, here you go. Here's a giant gun." He like goes and flips the sign around. And he's like, "Okay, you didn't get this from here. Here's a gun. Here's your ammo." Yikes! None of this plays very good, right? And then it's just like, "You're not a postal worker, are you?" And it's just like, "Oh yeah, we were like into this whole like postal worker thing, causing mass shootings and things." Like, no, now it's just like you know all the time. Yeah, now it's like anybody. In the nineties, it was just postal work. No, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that was the joke, right? And see, thing. now it's not not really a joke. It's just this weird thing. And then on yeah. top of it, like the, the, another scene that the hunter has 
is the sequence at this uh, department store where there's looting going on and the kids are trying to like slow him down and thwart him. And it's, some of it's played for very Home alone laughs, yes, right? Yes, kids, our kids were very excited about the Home Alone stuff. But, but here's a guy with a giant gun running around a department store where people are running around terrified at the result of it. And it's just, to me, is very triggering. Well, and it's like, and ah! People are running around the store anyway because right. there's stampeding animals and the, the town is uh, under This is not mayhem. necessarily the movie's fault. It's just like, this is where we are in America. And it's just like, ah, this is just like so crazy that it's like, this is a joke that just continues to be a nightmare here. Yeah, because at the time it was like, this is so extraordinary that this is kind of comical. And now it's like, this is not comical. This is real, and, and I don't like it. Yeah, and it, it's not the movie's fault, and I get that. Yeah. It's but it's just like to me, it's like oh. And those God. are the scenes where I'm like peeking over at the kids, and I'm like, Ugh. well, because our kids have gone through like you know they have to go through like training at Active school, shooter fucking <laughs> drills. Like, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? So it, you know, this is the this is it's it's just a very weird thing that has you know just continued to just expand and. And get worse in this country, and it, oh man, it's uh, it's weird, and it was a very big distraction, especially since, as we're recording this, we've had uh, more several, of this. Several. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, now what did you think about? This is kind of the big thing about Jumanji in the '90s, and this is kind of the thing about '90s CGI. Uh, a lot of these, and some of it, there's some practical effects here. Um, there are so they like the alligator. They used a real thing. Yeah, the plant that comes out. They used a real thing. It for looks some good. of the lion, they actually had. Yeah, you an could tell. Lion. I think you can kind of tell which ones. Uh, I wish one. they would have done all all real animals. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get Roar up in here. Bring a real fucking lion in here. Yeah. I mean, no, you don't have to really do that. But could you? Please? For certain shots, they could have done like away from could've. the away from the cast. Maybe. And I feel like the monkeys too. Like, throw some fucking like. We well, they want the monkeys the to 90s. like be shooting like holding more gunplay in the movie. They actually get a shotgun shot off in the David Allen Greer's cop car. Yeah. Kind of funny, but um, but they're also like holding a handgun on the back of a... Uh, and, and to my our nine-year-old's point, like, can't they train a monkey to do that? No. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Now, no, I was... So I'm curious. There is still a lot of CGI here, and this is only two years removed from like Jurassic Park, and um, what did you think about it? I thought like in wider shots with the stampede and darker things looked fine. Like, honestly, it wasn't that dated, right? It's kind of only when you see faces that it really becomes too cartoony that's a product of the 90s. Like, the monkey's faces just look like a cartoon. Yes. Um, but then again, I watched that Hobbit movie where, like, 2012, and it kind of had the same problem. Yeah. The so, headspace I was in while we were watching it was just like, this is what this movie is, and I fully accept it. And it's got a magic aspect to it, so it doesn't necessarily need to be... Yeah, the most they're, realistic they're, they're looking. They're fucking popping out of a board game. Right. Like, but I think the stampede, for I mean, for what it is and how fast it moves, is not bad for '95 standards. I yeah. feel like it's not a distraction. I felt like you could still get into like, and our certainly our kids were like into uh, it. They were into it, and they were worried about like the animals smashing things. Like yep. the, it, to them, it didn't seem didn't read too fake. Yeah, what I did read as far as the stampede for when they crash into the house, they actually built like a steel rhino mm-hmm. to crush through the building in real life so that they could get that look of it. The look of it and around it. And then they CG'd over it. Right. I mean, which, which is Which is a tactic that we they still employ. So I thought that looked good. The monkeys were probably the most... The monkeys probably looked the worst. Yeah. Because they are the ones that have to like require to have a facial personality. And are like opening fridges and yeah, like Too much awkward shots. movements. Whereas okay, the other yeah. things are more... And this is kind of like a Jurassic Park effect. Now in Jurassic Park, obviously, they used a pretty heavy usage of animatronics to kind of get the scary close-up shots, right? And then the CGI is very much like distance type stuff and dark 
areas. But I think the reason why it works in Jurassic Park is because it's animals doing natural... I mean, they're dinosaurs, but they're doing animal movements that feel like something that you believe, right? Mm -hmm. Same with a lot of the animal shots in this. It's like, well, they're moving how you think they would, and so it's like... Yeah, okay, mm -hmm. I'm accepting it because it doesn't stick out, whereas the monkey faces are yes. just like... I thought the giant mosquitoes were good. Yeah. The spiders looked pretty terrible. The spiders were definitely animatronic, and they looked probably the worst of the animatronics. Um, they just kind of looked a little... I don't know, I appreciate how they were really there, though, and I kind of like that. I liked all the vine in the plants. Yeah, that looked that good. That was cool. So, um, so, it's not the worst, and, and again, I was peeking over the kids to see if they were, like, buying into it, because they can be pretty judgy about this kind of stuff. Well, they bought into the, um... Yeah, they were Almost everything. It. They were scared of some of this stuff. Yeah, so I was which like, is, again, okay, it's passing the kid litmus test. It are, passed for us, so I'm, I'm cool with it. Are we bad parents for showing them this? <laughs> I think so. Oh, okay. I think that's well-known fact at this point. <laughs> so a couple... Th I wanted to just uh, put this... Uh, I did write down what every move conjured in the movie. Okay. In terms of things. Going back from even when little Alan and Sarah play. Okay. So you got bats. Mm -hmm. Alan getting sucked into the jungle. Then we flash forward, right? Mm -hmm. Giant mosquitoes. Monkeys. Lion. The lion is also a five to release Alan from the game. Mm -hmm. Then there's a long break before they get Sarah... Sarah is the one that goes vines and poisonous plants. Mm -hmm. Then it's Van Pelt the hunter shows up. Mm -hmm. Then it's Stampede. So the one thing about the hunter, too, is, like, he gets chased out of the building and then he has to, like, come back around before they can even play again. Like, that's another, like, aside, right? Uh, so then Stampede. And then there's a cheat attempt by little Peter. And that's what turns him into a monkey Peter. Yeah. So apparently he had to wear that makeup. For, like, 70 days of shooting. That's a long time. That is a long... I was shocked to read that, and it took, like, three hours to put that monkey makeup on. That seems like a, a, like a challenging choice just because, like, kid actors can't be on set that long anyway. Yeah. So then you're, like, limited to only a couple hours a day with Hence the kid. The 70 fucking days, probably. I guess, but, like, man, I, I mean, yeah, and it's later in the movie, but still, Jesus, it's a long time. it doesn't even look that good, like... <laughs> No, it's yeah, it's it seems a little like it's he's not full monkey, that's for sure. No, it's supposed to kind of still not look like worth him. it. Okay, so that's so. monkey Peter. Then you get a so then you know long break. And then it's monsoon, mm -hmm. which is a big storm in the house. Pretty good. Yeah, I did enjoy that. There was one co continuity factor there mm -hmm. where like the animals have stampeded through the house and crushed it, but now it's filling up with water. Yeah. yeah Oops. Yeah. Uh, don't think about that. It's yeah. a board game. It's fine. <laughs> Quicksand. That's where Williams gets stuck on the in the floor for a yeah, little while. That's there, that's pretty cool. Oh my god, that scene is actually pretty fantastic because then the next person takes their turn and it freezes him in and the he's floor. Stuck in the floor, yeah, it's and back his, a turn. And his legs are like dangling. dangling. Out of and them. actually, there's some comedic moments here where the kids are trying to hand him things. It's like, can you stop giving me things that fall apart? Yeah. Like some of that's kind of funny. <laughs> that was pretty great. But um, his legs dangling in the ceiling, like. So yeah, that's that the turn that goes back turn that freezes the quicksand and locks him in the floor. Then you get giant spiders, then earthquake, and then. Robin Williams gets Jumanji, and they win. Yes. Um, yeah, so luckily it's kind of a short game. Good lord. And it, not related to the game, they have to. They keep losing the board game, so they have to like chase it in a river. The hunter has it for a little while. Yep, that's, that's why they yeah they're fighting him at the the yeah. department store. Um, okay, so uh, oh another little note there. This was just a little detail. Like um, when they first start playing, and the and the pieces move on its own mm -hmm. in the game. 
uh, little Alan and Sarah are like, oh, it must be magnets or something. Mm-hmm. And then when Kirsten Dunst and the other kid play, they're like, oh, it must be microchips or something. Yes. Which I thought was pretty fun. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's been the future. It's the future. And this is what the 90s technology is. Microchips. Yes. Um, okay. So then we've got, um, the other thing I want to talk about is obviously uh, David Alan Greer. So he is a cop now, um, after the, the plant closed down, and he is exasperated. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know what's going on, and the joke of the movie is that his car just keeps getting fucked up. Yeah, the monkeys <laughs> steal it. Right. Yeah, it gets trashed. Yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, he's, he's the humor. Great. He's the I humor of the movie. I love his, he's got this, uh, thing he decided to do. He only really pulls, he only pulls it out twice, uh, when the vine finally grabs the car. And he's startled. He does the screamy thing. He's like, hi, 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 hi. Like, it's a very, like, repeating, like, high-pitched thing. Yeah. And then he does it again when he gets washed away by the monsoon. He's riding a door yes. uh, down it's Main so Street. Great. Yeah. He, so he's really funny in it. I think that that all really works well. Um, it does. I, I enjoyed it. I kind of like how he... He, he's skeptical of this whole situation, but he still is like buys in kind of where he just is like, all right, fine, I'll take you, Alan, back to do this. But then he always keeps screwing him over by locking handcuffs on him, and he's trying to protect him. And I get that, and um, yeah. So, but I like how he's just kind of this participant a little bit and uh, goes along and and tries to deal with all these terrible things that keep popping up because, like, that's the thing. Like, we hear about like a hundred people. Getting like basically paralyzed by the giant mosquitoes yes. going down. People have obviously been trampled. Yeah. Like th- there are real consequences. Like this here. town is getting fucked up. Yeah. So um and then okay, so that's all stuff. That's a pretty fun I would say it's uh it's a blockbuster that's like pitched enough at kids despite it being grim, mm-hmm. right? So it works in that regard. Um but it's weird. It's a very weird movie. Mm-hmm. Um, then I feel like the ending is so weird to me because it just blows my mind. It's the whole time travel fucking right. thing, right? You're like, okay, so he win. Robin Williams wins the game. Yeah. And the rule is that once you win the game, things go back to the way they were. Right. And since he started the game in 1969, two seconds later, he wakes up as himself in 1969 as a child. And, and Sarah is there too. So now I, listen, like, I wonder... If what we get after that scene is like something they decided to add on, or if because it just to me like if that was how the movie ended, I was a as a kid I'd be like what but like the what about Kirsten Dunst is her kid are, are her parents are gonna die still like all this stuff mm-hmm. is lingering here and so I give them credit for closing the loop actually spending even more time away from this game which is yep. so weird that this movie is like 25 minutes of like game playing and then like this huge intro and then you get like this extended new future scene but, like you want it like at you christmas want it for because it was characters. a christmas release right which is a little bit just crazy right mm-hmm. but it has to set up the park fact that uh alan and sarah end up getting married sarah is pregnant Robert Williams has a phone call with his dad. They are clearly still alive in mm-hmm. this world. He's taken over the shoe factory company, and then they answer the door, and he's hired a new person to go work at the store. And they've got two kids, and it's little Kirsten Dunst, and and like they, like they've orchestrated this whole thing to make sure that these kids come back into their lives, which is fucking weird if you think about it. Like, but kind of like, well, you know, you're worried about them because they're going to die. Yes. Their parents might die or whatever. Yes. 
So, he's, but it's just like this weird extra scene that I kind of like, and I think I it, love it. It has the biggest laugh of the movie, and it's also just a very grim joke. Was just just like like when can you start? It's like oh well, maybe in a couple weeks. The wife and I want to go up to Canada for a little trip, and they're up like to the Rockies, and they're just like both uh, Bonnie Hunt and Robin at the same time just yell out no, no! <laughs> and they scares startling. the shit out of him, and he's like okay, I can start next week. So it's the funniest laugh, uh, biggest laugh in the movie, I would say, but it's based on this joke of, like, they die. Yeah, like, you die in that car accident and leave your children orphaned. Which reminds me of, like, <laughs> the big, you know what movie is super underrated is that Teen Titans go to the movies movie, yeah. which I don't care about Teen Titans at all, mm-hmm. but there's the amazing joke in there about them going and undoing Bruce Wayne's parents getting off in the alley, uh-huh. but then they realize they have to go undo it, so then they go and basically undo Kill this, and they just kind of let the, oh, it's so funny but it's also just like so dark because <laughs> if you want to do that he doesn't become batman right so yeah. um yeah i just i i love that but so it but it i i just wonder if it's like is this something that they were just like you have to like explain this or was it always like part of the script because when i see a lot of names on a script i'm just like i wonder how many things got like added or moved in or because i think the natural inclination for a movie like this would be like it went back to normal they're kids again but that would leave you just being like but like it was like, we were in 1995. Like, now we're back in the 60s? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, like, are we in an alternate universe? What the hell, man? I think the natural inclination for, like, time travel type stuff is that's what you do. You just go back and you don't worry about the other stuff. But mm-hmm. because we, like, are attached to those kids losing their parents, we're just like, well, we got to figure out how to, like, answer that. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, but it's, it's just so satisfying. weird. Now, um, Roger Ebert, notably, did not like this movie. Yeah. He did not like it at all. Sometimes we do a segment on this show called What Did Roger Say? What would... Did? What did Roger say? I thought I said What Would Roger Say? What did Roger say? What's the name of the segment? What would Roger say? What did Roger say? Is that happened in the past? He's gone. What did Roger say? You don't even know the names of the segments. I feel like it was What Would Roger Say? 102 episodes. So... Mr. Roger Ebert, right. world-renowned movie critic, in 1995, did not like Jumanji. No. He gave it a whopping one and a half stars. Ooh, that is harsh. And he had some criticism that, you know, I kind of relate to as far as, like, it's too too much for little kids. It's geared as this holiday film for little kids. It's too much for well, them. Well, it's grim. <laughs> it's it's grim. grim. But, like, as compared to, like, how kids' movies are pitched nowadays, which are very, like loud and innocuous where they're like sneaking sex jokes in and stuff like that i don't know i'd much prefer them to just be like on the surface being like yeah the real world fucking sucks sometimes kids but here's some cool animals your parents might die you might get eaten by i don't know i kind of appreciate i mean as annoying as it is to always have like dead parents in movies like at least this is not like it's not Mm hand-holding and it's not meant for like little little kids i mean i we probably showed two of our children when they were a little young this movie but they were fine. It was our oldest kid again that was just like, I don't know, those spiders are kind of scary. I don't know, Mom. Yeah, he seems kind of, he compared it, at his last paragraph of his review, he says that the underlying structure of the film seems inspired by, or limited by, interactive video games. And he dogs on that for a little while. And he's like, the ultimate level for young viewers will be being able to sit all the way through the movie. So this is uh, going back to... at. At this point in Roger Ebert's uh, reviewing career, he was pretty negative. I remember because I re- used to read him all the time. He did not like video games, and 
the the culture that was building up against like storytelling in video games mm-hmm. and he always kind of labored it as a negative thing and if there were movies that were based on video games and not that there were like good examples of great movies that were made from video games there aren't mm-hmm. right but um he kind of tended a dog on it and he he'd do a lot of his movie answer man where people would kind of like he would go back and forth on it and he he kind of softened that position a little bit as he as he got older mm-hmm. but um yeah it's definitely like um it some of this does read as like old man yells at the sky like the world's changing kind of thing you know what i mean a little bit but you know he got he just got really hung up on the fact that he thought it was too much for kids which is a a weird thing for a a critic to just get hooked on one thing yeah and you know maybe that speaks to just him not being very interested in the the overall plotting of it and 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 that that can happen right um it's kind of like when I was watching Richard Jewell, a movie that's kind of competent, competently made, but then there's one thing about it that just kind of, like, rubs you the wrong way the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Um, he even says that, like, even for older audiences, there are few redeeming factors, because what little story there is serves as a co-hook for the FX sequences, which come out of nowhere and evaporate into the same place. God, I wonder what he would think about these new Jumanji movies, then, because, my God, it is not only are they based on the characters going inside of a video game where they are avatars. Yeah. They're, they're different people. Yeah. And they're just literally, like, clearing levels with yes. CGI there mayhem. There is no character development. There is no, like... I mean, there is, but it's, like, it's it's very much... It's more. It's way so into the minimal. game culture, it's right? so minimal. Right, There's so, no, like, kid with daddy issues. Well, there's a kid who's awkward around the other people, and he's got to become the rock and be more... Uh, uh, I'm just saying that this old Jumanji was. I don't feel like it was lacking in the story department. It no, was I, centered around one very a lot of story. specific story. Yeah, and one, a few specific relationships. I mean, I feel like there's almost like, like honestly, there's probably a little bit too much like setup in the movie. Like, there's too much plot going on to like get this thing going. Honestly, like if I just had to just kind of separate myself from it a little bit, like it does take a little while to like get going. Mm-hmm. Um. And I honestly, I kind of, which is odd because I feel like the new Jumanji movies are also have a little bit of that problem where it's like, tw- and I get why they do it. Like they got to spend 20 minutes with the high school kids. Yes. But like when you see the trailer with The Rock and yes. Jack Black and Kevin You're Hart. Like, get to these and, people. And Karen uh, Gillum, who's, I think she's, is it Karen? I'm messing up names all the time. Yeah, you She's are. actually really good in those movies. But um, you just, when you see the trailer, you're just like, let's just get to this part. And we'll watch that, and it's like, and to the point where I think I saw the fir- first one, and I was like 15 minutes late for it, and I was like, well, that's fine, I know the premise of this thing, right? <laughs> and in the sequel, the same problem, I mean, even though we've already done this, like, it takes a little while for them to get into it again, um, and I think that's, it's part of the, you're trying to set up characters, but you're also having this, like, we have stars in the movie, we have to get to the stars, and so, I don't know, I feel it more in the sequels, because I feel like the character work in the beginning of those is more just like it's just like this quick little application of makeup to be like don't worry we're getting the rock in as fast as we can yeah and it's a little bit like i think those movies like i think the first one which is welcome the jungle is pretty fun i did not care for the sequel that much i disagree with you okay i the sequel to me just by adding some different elements of like aquafina and having like danny devito and uh Danny Glover as characters in there is like different, but it was not. It, 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 it was it felt, not enough. I agree. It was trudging into the same territory, and it was. I thought some of the mayhem was just too too much of the same thing. But I agree. I mean, I can see that, but I really enjoyed the Aquafina stuff in the sequel. Yeah, but you know, it's. I just find it fascinating that like what Roger Ebert was railing about is really what the franchise is now. Yes. 
Um, and I, it's so they're fun though. I like. I like. I mean, they're not meant to be. Movies. I find it interesting. Those are PG thirteen though, but they're still kind of pitched somewhat at kids. Mm-hmm. But it, I would say maybe the mayhem's about the same. I, I could be wrong about that. Like Jack Black gets swelled by a, oh, and it gets actually like swallowed by a hippo in that first movie. That's almost more cartoonish yeah, it is. than than the real threat of. There's not a lot of attempt to make like the animals look all. I mean, it's it's modern CGI, so I guess it's supposed to look real. But to me, that stuff never. Yeah. But again, because it's a video game, it like kind of gets away with it a little yeah. bit sometimes. Yeah. I, I don't know if I had to watch a Jumanji movie tomorrow, I might prefer to still watch '95. I mean. I think that there were several times while well, we were watching this where I was like, Tyler, this is still a really good movie. I think the atmosphere of it works pretty well. It's, it, it, yeah. it's grim, and it, but it, it it plays it for real, and it, it does seem like they're in danger. And I, I don't know, like, if you feel like there's mm-hmm. danger and there's a risk in it, even though you'd probably assume that things are going to go okay. But at the same time, like, they did lock a character in the freaking game for 26 years. And I know that they did that in the sequels, whatever, but not with, like, main characters, but... So, I mean, I did, it, there was enough of, like, this yes. is serious. This could be dangerous. Like, they, yes. Whereas even in, the, real. even in the sequels, like, they literally get three lives. Like, they can yes. get killed and then yeah. come back. The stakes are less real. Right. So, I don't and know. I'd just rather... The pace is really good. And there's no annoying antagonist. I mean, the, the hunter, hunter is there for a little, but he's not just, like, obnoxious or... It works. It all works. I like it. I would watch it again. Totally worth watching. But it is weird. It's a weird movie. It's memorable, though. Yeah. It's like, just, your kids are going to remember that movie. They are, and they were a little bit, like, creeped... They were oddly creeped out by those fake-looking spiders, which I thought was funny. Like, dude, I was like, really? That's the thing you're taking away from this movie? Those things do not look very good. Like, the vines are pretty good, but that's not good. Yeah. They really... Yeah, they but were they into did, it. But they were into it, and they will remember it, and I kind of appreciate that they... And none of them walked off... You know, well, that's what I mean. Before it was over, and like maybe they because do. they feel like they're watching something they shouldn't be watching. I think there might be a little bit of that with kids sometimes. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, it's is it more because they watch to... the Goonies too, which also has its own like inappropriate aspects in terms of like language and violence. But that did not hook them in the same. No, it didn't. This was because I mean, and that's not necessarily that movie's fault. It's just different premise and their ages yes. and everything. But. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I have mixed feelings about the movie in general, so it's fine. But, yeah, no, I, they they seem... This will be a movie they remember. And they don't seem to be scarred by it a couple days later, so I don't no, know, I mean, whatever. At, at the end, they were like, we're going to have nightmares about that. I was like, no, you're not. I was like, calm <laughs> It's <down>. fake. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. They watch... Okay, but see, they watch... That's the thing. They 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 don't get nightmares about this. They get nightmares from watching You vs. Wild with Bear Grylls, who goes and, like... Like you know, it's an inter- those it's like an interactive show where he well, makes decisions. Well, this is perfect because we had just watched that, right? Where there is a scene where Bear Girls is running from a real fucking a real fucking. And line. I was playing it up because I was like, oh, I scream, and I was you know, and I was like, it's. I mean, it's. I was like, we told them it's like, it's not nothing bad's gonna it's happen to them. They wouldn't movie. air this, and it's not on the kids section of Netflix if it wasn't like gonna be terrible. But at the same time, it's like it's a real line running at him, and then I was just like, we should show them roar and really fuck them up. Just really <laughs> fuck them up. It's like you guys think elephants are great? You've never seen an elephant like you've seen one in Roar. P.S. Go watch Roar. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, any final thoughts, Tyler? I did not tea time with you, but I'll have to save it for the next one. Okay. No, I you know, 
Uh, it's a very weird movie. It's very grim. I like that it's weird. I like that it's grim. I don't really like that it's been a- it has aged all that badly in terms of uh, special effects. Agree. If you liked it as a child, you're still gonna like it. Objectively, is it kind of a clunky narrative to get going? I suppose, but I don't hate it. Like I kind of like the creative character work that that's there. Yeah, suck his ass into that in that board game. That's and I don't. Exciting. I kind of. I mean, I think as you, especially as you, if you watch enough Robin Williams, you do kind of tend to appreciate some of these more understated performances sometimes. Yep. And this is definitely more, like, subdued. And I yep. like that. He's very good at internalizing some of that. Yeah, so. he wears the loneliness of being alone for 26 years in this Yeah, character. he does. I would say that's true. He and carries it, it. It does. And, um, he, I mean, it is kind of comical when he comes out in that full beard and stuff like that. But he, I think it's smart that he, like, shaves and you see him normally and he's able to kind of react. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. think it's actually fairly solid performance. I agree. Good. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. We have listened, and you have listened to us talk about Jumanji from 1995, and it has been a good, good run. A good show. What? Hmm? I yeah. wonder if we're going to do an episode on another Joe Johnston movie soon. That also features animals for Animal April. I know, are they animals in the traditional sense, or if they're like older animals? I don't know dinosaurs what i don't know all right guys thanks for listening we will talk at you what you know it'd be funny if like we just next like the next episode is like not that at all (laughs) like we just did all this and it's just like you know what we should do we should go watch uh i don't know robocop 2 we should we did robocop 1 episode insert there's a robocop 2 oh angela of course there is yeah, Robocop 3. And there's Robocop a Robocop Ruby. was great. Go listen to that episode. It's a good movie. Go watch that movie. Then it's we'll a great listen. movie. I don't know. I can't speak about the sequels and the reboot's not I, that good. I know. I don't remember the sequels. All right, friends. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you another movie, probably about dinosaurs. But maybe not. But maybe not. You never know. I'm predicting.